What's up, everybody? And welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi. This is episode number 31, and I got another great episode. I'm giving you people the trifecta here because episode 29 was David Kimowitz talking about the comedy world from um, industries from a, from an industry standpoint. Episode 30, I had Bill Burr. We were just shooting the shit, and uh, that was a great one. And now, for the third week in a row, I have another great guest with me. Um, You might have seen him on Last Comic Standing. His own Comedy Central uh, presents. uh, Truly one of the funniest people that I've worked with uh, from Los Angeles, working with him here in Cleveland, the one and only Chris Porter. Thanks for being here, man. Hey, man. Thanks for having me, man. That was a great intro. I appreciate it. Uh, No, absolutely, man. Uh, You know... It's one of those things. We have a mutual friend. Yes. Uh, Bill Burr, God. you know. Oh, yeah, Bill. <laughs> yeah, God and Bill Burr. No, um, Bill always would say to me, hey, yeah, my, my buddy Chris Chris Porter, and I would always know that. I, and you do music as well, yeah. which I heard you're really talented at. Oh, thank you. Um, and then we happen to end up, you know, working together, and it's been a great week, hasn't it? Oh, no, it's been a blast, man. It's a rarity that... Uh that we that you work with someone that you genuinely like and have respect for Absolutely. in such a way. Usually by Sunday, I'm like, no, I don't want to hang out with you in the least. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. And today we did hang out. We went to the uh, Cleveland Air Show, which uh, I didn't know Chris was going to be this, you know, have this much, you know, knowledge of airplanes. I'm, I'm pretty versed in the air show world. I was raised in the air show world. It's not like a circus, like we didn't travel to see him, but uh, yeah, we would, my dad was way into aeronautics, and so were all of his friends, so we'd, there'd be big groups of us, and we'd go out and, and go to these air shows. When I was 12, 13 years old, it was kind of a big deal. Yeah, I was pretty like, I, I was like, if I was going to go to any air show with any comic, you know, this is the guy to go with, because I'd be like, oh, what is that? Is that a, like, all I know is Top Gun, so everything yeah. to me was an F-16, like, and he was like, no, that's the, uh, you know, and he was like, oh, you know, C is cargo, B is bomber, which actually makes sense when you think about it, but when you don't know, yeah, yeah, yeah you know, I don't it's, fuck it, you know what I mean? I just know, but um, that F, we saw an F, was it? F-18. F-18 Hornet. Yeah. Fucking tits, dude. It was it was pretty neat. It had been a while since I'd seen a demonstration like that. And it was cool because we had the right atmospheric uh, temperatures and all that stuff. And the humidity to see, that. To, to see the vapor trails and we the see, vapor bursts. Yeah, like this airplane is flying by you at like 700, 600 miles an hour. Yep. And all of a sudden this like white ball pops over it yeah. because of the vapor. Just and the moisture. Just the, oh, it was, it was fucking really cool. Unfortunately, a lot of rednecks. Yeah, yeah, like they were selling. They actually sold Confederate flags, and which would be yeah. fine if we were in Biloxi. You'd, you'd understand <laughs> it. But we're in Cleveland. Like it was. Yeah. Cleveland was never an in dispute, but you know, in the Civil War. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is strictly to be racist. Yes. Yes. That's yeah. You you were not in the South. They're selling Confederate flags here. There were mothers in tank tops, tattoos all over their chests and arms. It was pretty gross. Holding babies. It was just like, yeah, it was, it was, it was gross. The best was when we first walked up and they were starting the F-18 <laughs> and a guy was jumping up and down like a team had just scored a touchdown. Yeah, like he was just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, freedom, freedom. Uh, these people, oh my, people like, that's the sound of freedom. It was, yeah, listen, yeah. it was, it was, I'll be honest with you. I've never watched an airplane in my life where I actually got the chills. Like, that was, fu- dude, this guy was flying by us. He was doing, what is it called, a touching, 
touch and go. He did a touch and go. Then he did this one thing where he's flying by us at about 500 miles an hour, and then he just goes straight up in the air. Yeah. That was insane. And then the one where he speeds by us and then just goes hard right like he's in a dog fight. I got to tell you, for anybody that I've never been to a, uh, and I know a lot of people probably who grew up in New York haven't, I would would say. Oh, by the way, you're from Kansas City. Yeah, that's right. So you that there's a, a air show out there. There's uh, well, there, you know, back in the day, whenever uh, there was uh, what was it called? Some Air Force base was out there. I can't remember what it was called. It starts with an R. But uh, uh, yeah, we used to go out there all the time, and it was it, Richards Gabauer Air Force Base. That's what it was called. And uh, you know, back in the day. You know, during peacetime, they have all the planes there. Like, you know, I remember going to see, like, a stealth bomber and stuff like that. Like, you right. didn't get up close, but it was way cooler. This was actually a pretty lame air show. Right, really? Uh, yeah, they didn't... You know, they did have the F-16 you could walk up into, and, and it was just funny to see, because I hadn't been to one in 10 years or so. Right. But it was just to see the funny, the changes that have been made since then. Uh, since, you know, 9-11 and everything. You know, the F-16 was under a canopy. That wasn't... That was because of the rain. That was for security purposes. Right, right. And, you know, the only real fighter jet that they had that you could get near was an old Canadian version of the F-18, which has probably had not been used in years. Right, right. And then other, you know, so it was kind of a, you know, as far as airship goes, kind of lame. But, yeah, that F-18 was really neat. But yeah. you just got to feel bad for the guy who flew the air and sea helicopter right after the F-18. Yeah, that was a great point you brought up. The guy who had to follow. Well, what I was going to say before that was, um, you know, Chris grew up in, in, you know, near an Air Force base where they had shows a lot. In New York, we don't get to see that stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, so... The other night, I Top Gun, the opening scene of Top Gun was on, and I watched it. So now I'm watching this guy do this shit live and hearing the engines just absolutely thunderous noise. Oh, uh, it just grabs right in the balls. Yeah, it, it really, like, my, like your, your, the hair just stands yeah, up I for a second. I fuck something right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take one of these tattooed moms home <laughs> and show her what freedom feels like. <laughs> Ah, yeah. <laughs> that's the guy was like, that's the sound of freedom. It was like, you know what it was? It was real redneck patriots. It was, I mean, patriot. listen, man, being patriotic is great, but when you see the level of people that were doing it, you almost kind of wish that there was a little step up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you wish they were handing out, like, books. Yeah. Just read these. Just give it, give it a shot. Yeah. Give it a shot. Read this. Uh... But I will tell you, man, watching that that F eighteen was worth the the price of admission. We got to thank um, the the bartender over at Hilarity's Comedy Club where we're performing. His mother's been working there for uh, over three decades, thirty five years or so, and we got in for free. Um, and we saw some. For me, it was probably a lot cooler than it was for you because you were just like, yeah, I've done this, and that was, you know. But I I just it was it was it was funny. The F eighteen was cool. You got to. I mean, you can't deny that. No matter how many times you see a plane like that, it's still amazing to just to feel that raw power. But when a United Airlines jet is one of your displays, like really, yeah, a the- seven thirty-seven that actually is still. I asked the girl. She's like, "Oh no, we still fly this thing." Like it wasn't even like. <laughs> Yeah, they had a commercial. They literally had what you would fly from like. It was, New a, seven, it was a United Airlines 737. Yeah, United Airlines 737 that you fly from New York to Florida every day, and they had it on display at the air show. And this was how redneck it was. People were sitting in first class just to sit in first class. Uh, that's did, so did you true. See that yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. People were like, oh my God, we never get to do this. Yeah, well, this, oh, this is totally worth it. This is totally, <laughs> I'd do this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Cleveland is uh, an interesting city, and I'm, I'm sure you would agree. You've been here many times before, uh, like I have. I come once a year. Um, really a different city, I think. It's in the sense that nobody's in the city. They come from the outskirts into the city, and there's only one block, and it's where we are. Uh, that's a, that's kind of a Midwestern thing, though, really. Is that right? Yeah, being from New York, you, you obviously living in Manhattan and, and in the five boroughs, It's that's just... There is no suburbs really, until you get to Long Island, and that's an hour and a half, right? Well, 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 Westchester is probably like like the Bronx is the last borough, and then Yonkers starts Westchester County. I live in Westchester. I'm about 40 minutes north of the city. Oh, okay. Um, but, yeah, it's just like I just feel like down here you need to be in like one or two areas. Well, 40 minutes outside of Cleveland, you're in Farmville. Like, it's farms. Oh, it's- yeah, yeah. Or, or you're, you're starting to get there, as with any Midwestern city. You drive 40 miles out, or 40 minutes outside of Kansas City, you're... Like, it's, it's very farm. It, it gets from right. cosmopolitan to Hazard County real quick. All right, so let me ask you this then, and I'm sure you know the listeners um, I would like to. This would be interesting to find out from you. You're, you know, you live in L.A. now. You, you're out of Kansas City. What is it like... Okay, what is the difference when you travel now from Kansas City to all these big cities that you're performing in stand-up? What was it like for, because uh, all people on the East Coast, all we know is uh, the Chiefs, you know, the Royals. You know, what's it like to live in growing up in Kansas City? You know, Kansas City is a, is a weird place because it's a city that's just big enough to be a city and to right. have big city problems and big city advantages. But it's also small enough to have a small town f- feel. Uh, and so, listen, you can hear... You can hear yeah, if you guys hear, flying. I don't know if this picks it up, but if you guys hear thunder, it's not thunder. The air show's going on, and there's literally fighter planes flying around here and, like, just roaring the skies of, yeah. uh, of Cleveland. But uh, go, go ahead. Anyway, uh, it's, you know, I grew up in rural, the rural suburbs. I grew up about as just far out before you started. Like, I didn't have a farm, but my friends did. Right. And we spent many a night in the middle of a field drinking in front of a bonfire. Like, you know, that was just... It was safe. Like, the right. cops weren't going to fuck with you. You know, you, you were 18 years, 17, 18 years old. You could go do whatever you wanted to do, yeah. yell and scream and play guitar. And there was, there was literally no one for a mile and a half. Wow. And, you know, that's a, that's a fun way to grow up. Now, it's also very easy to get, uh, it's also very easy to think that the entire world is there. Like, you're a player and that, sh- that everything that's going. Like, obviously, you still look at concert schedules and realize not all the shows are coming to your town. You still <laughs> right. got to drive to St. Louis to see big some big shows. Sure. Right. But uh you know, it but a lot of people get stuck there and think it's the world and I think that's you know, then that becomes into their political thing as they realize like I've always said that people in the Midwest or in a lot of towns live in a six block universe where they don't you know, their shopping is here. Their food's here. They go here to eat out. They go here, and then they go to the lake on vacation. Right. Like, it, their world is six blocks long, and everyone around them is pretty much like them, so they feel like the world should be like that. Right. And, and you know, and that's a, and I think that's what happens in, in a lot of Midwest cities is they're just like, well, you know, we don't care about the poor because we don't see them. <laughs> Now, right, right. But was there a fear now to get out of that? Was there a fear to get out of that and go to a big city? Uh... No, you know, growing up, I always, I'm, you know, I never thought, of, you know, I'd always thought about moving away, just because, mm-hmm. but, you know, L.A. was like Japan. 
back then. Right. You know, it was just so far away. Yeah, yeah. And But I remember visiting it for the first time and just the energy and the feel and all that stuff. And the same with New York. You're just like, it's a completely different vibe. And there is a palpable energy to major cities that you can feel. And it was just weird. And then... You know, you're 26 years old. You start to hate your environment. And, right. You know, being a comic, I wanted to uh, expand my industry. So it just got to a point where I had to move. And and right. And I between L.A. and New York, I was like, if I'm going to be broke, I want it to be nice outside. <laughs> right. At the end of the day. Yeah. Like, I'm from Kansas. I'd like to see some grass. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so that's why I picked L.A., and uh, and now I go and it's made me love Kansas City more. When I left Kansas City in two thousand five, I didn't like it. You want to get the fuck I, out? I just wanted to get the fuck out. Yeah. And now I love Kansas City. Right. I think it's great, and I see it for what it is. It built an appreciation, maybe. Absolutely. Now I love Los Angeles. Don't get me wrong. I love living there. Granted, my neighborhood's kind of obnoxious sometimes, but I could move if I wanted to. And, yeah. You know. But uh, so it's just like I'm torn between two cities, which is fine. But you know. Growing up in Kansas City gave me a, you know, and it's not a geographic thing because I know people from Manhattan that have a semblance of family and structure. And oh, I, yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, like, Absolutely. I I grew where I went to high school was upstate New York, and it was going to fields sometimes in upstate New York. You know, yeah. I mean, New York has country. Yeah. You know, and that's what people, you know, it's like, yeah. Fine, an hour, you know, I was always within an hour, hour and a half tops of Manhattan. But in that hour drive, there's a lot of shit like what you're talking about where, you know, your friends get a keg, you go to a field, you hang out, you party, you talk shit, you do all this stuff, you know, normally. But I want to go back now because you did Last Comic Standing in 2007? Six. 2006. Okay. Uh, Now, what is the comedy scene like when you were... You know, in Kansas City before Last Comic Standing, was there, you know, I know some cities have one club, two clubs, a lot of bar gigs. Yeah. Were you doing hell gigs in Kansas City? I mean, I'm sure you were, but was it was it all bar gigs or were you doing the clubs too? What was the scene like? I was doing, a, a, you know, before I left Kansas the reason I left Kansas City was I'd done everything I could from there. I was already featuring on the road. Right. Uh, headlining some of the off nights. I'd started, I'd headlined the club in Kansas City a whole bunch. I'd Starting opening theaters for all the big names that came in. So it was just like, what the fuck am I doing? You've exercised everything you needed to yeah. do there. Yeah. So I split. But the scene there when I first, especially when I first started, was amazing. Because oh, yeah. there was like this group of like 25 comics, six of which had a shot. And, you know, but everyone would hang right. out. Like, people would show up to the club at like 6 o'clock before the show. Like, Oh, so it was like a big and, deal, yeah. And people would hang out, and it was there was creative. You'd write, and you'd try your stuff on stage, and people would give you notes, and la, oh, la, nice. la, la, la. And there'd be, and this guy, Emery Emery, would run it, and was great, and was very, and cultivated a lot of the creativity. And it, nice. it, and it, there was a team effort involved. It definitely had a scene Support system. Absolutely. And and that continues, I think, to some extent this to this day. Uh, but, you know, I came up with some great comics. Not, you know, some of them haven't been given the recognition that they maybe should, but there's that's a million comics right sure, now. So, sure, sure. Uh, you know, but it was a good scene. And it, I go back, when I first started, there was one club. And there, were, there have been as many as three in Kansas City at one time. And I think there may still be three now. And so it's a very divided scene. Mm-hmm. I, I know there's still like a semblance of comics that hang out, but it's it has become divided. But it's a it's a good scene. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Nice, nice. And uh, 
Eddie Griffin and and Nick Griffin. Eddie Griffin and Nick Griffin are from Bo- there. They both both came out of there. Uh, Eddie Griffin was actually uh, banned from the comedy club for like years. Really? And uh, for being too dirty up front, like he was emceeing, and they're just like, "You got to be up front. You got to be clean." <laughs> And he'd be you say up like there. motherfucker, like up front, like out yeah. of the gate. Yeah, yeah. Like the show starts. I'm like, ass fucking this bitch, or you know, something just crazy, <laughs> like right out of the front. The crowd's like, whoa, 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 well, we yeah. just got here. Whoa, is this how we open? <laughs> the guy going next is like, dude, <laughs> where do we even go from yeah, there? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I didn't know that. That he got. So and then he, and then, but he had the great. He got to come back like in the middle of the heyday and just like showed up one night and was uh, kind of rubbed it in everyone's face, like I'm Eddie Griffin. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's Kansas City. Uh, I was there um, at the Improv, and I thought the, the I thought the crowds were very very intelligent. I thought the people were nice. Uh, it seemed great. It seemed it seemed no. Great. There, it's a smart town. It's it has a, you know it's it's big enough to where it's got like a cosmopolitan area and a bohemian area. So you you definitely have your different sides, and it's uh it is a fun. T- you know the thing I say about Kansas and Missouri is they're the greatest people on earth until they get in the voting booth. Yeah. <laughs> and then they turn into dicks. I feel like that's so many places. And you know what I love about being a comedian, and, and mm-hmm. other than getting on stage and making people laugh and doing what we love to do, we get to see things. We get to travel. Yeah. We get to see different places that we were never going to see. And it, it changes the way you grew up thinking. Like, if I, when I think, if somebody told me, what do you th- what's Kansas City like when I was 16, I would be like, oh, it's probably in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah. You know, like, or, or, and the same way people would go, oh, New York's a bunch of fucking rude. You know, it's just a big city. It's a hustle and bustle. I don't want to be there. But when you actually go and you see, and you interact with people yeah. after a show, before a show, you realize we are, as people, kind of all the same. It's just, I mean, there are definitely some skewed views. People have some fucked up thoughts and, and I, I guess, uh, you know, views on whether it be politics or religion and, and some those people you can't talk to. But I'm talking about, for the most part, people in general, when you sit down and you talk to them, they really are all the same and not everywhere in the Midwest is dumb. Yeah, You know, absolutely. not everywhere on the East Coast is rude. Yeah. You know, and, you know, so I just feel like what we do, we get to see things, man. We get, people go, oh, man, where were you, Missouri? Ooh, was that rough? And it's like, no, it wasn't rough. It was was actually great. You know, I was in Louisville, Kentucky, and, you know, don't get me wrong, they're drinkers and they're wild out there, but it was cool. Like, it was good. Food's good, and you get to see that shit, and that's that's one thing that comedy gives us other than just making people laugh. You actually get to see what you had in your head might not necessarily be what it is. And the only thing I, you know, the only thing that I ever changed from place to place geographically is sometimes the pacing's different. Like, in New right. York, people talk real fast. So you can, right. you can just be, you can talk as fast as you want, and they're they got you. Right. They got you. <laughs> they they hear everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you go down south, they don't talk that fast. And no. if you do talk that fast, they immediately don't trust you. Right. They they call you a fast talker. They think you're trying to they're, they're you know they're, you're talking so fast to put something over on them. Okay. Yeah. Them. Yeah. You're doing something that's kind of shady. Absolutely. Right. So like when I and it always takes me about a show or two. Where I'm just like those people, they just weren't getting it, and then but they were getting it because they come off stage and they're like, "You were hilarious." Yeah, but it, they're not used to talking that fast, so they right. just ah, that's interesting. It takes them a little bit longer, not because they're dumb. Right. And that's the other thing people think just because you have a southern accent that you're dumb. Right. And and that's there are some really smart dudes that sound like they just came out of the cotton gin. Yeah, well, you know, one, one, one comic that I think is very funny, you know him and I told you was, uh, and they call him kind of blue-collar, but John Caparulo, I think when people hear him talk, you know, they don't realize, but I think some of his stuff is actually really smart and good. But when you hear that, 
Yeah, that you know, like even 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 Larry the Cable Guy. I mean, he's, he he kind of goes for for a different thing, but I, I I get the sense from him that like even off stage, he's a really smart dude. Yeah, he, he, he's smart. Um, but like even me, like last like last night, that guy gave me that Marine bracelet and asked me and just figured I had conservative views. Right. Despite the fact I'm wearing bell bottoms and, and a half button t- <laughs> and a half button shirt. Right. Right. And I look like I walked out of a rock and roll album. And he's and he's he's like, oh, you're super conservative, and I and it took me a second to realize it was like, oh, well, because I speak like someone who from somewhere that is fairly conservative, right? Like he just assumed, and the fact that I talk about being polite and social, but I still think you need to educate right. the children. Yeah, it's yeah, it's funny. It's yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like people judge, you know. You said that, and people automatically think because of your because sta- of your the way your voice is, yeah, and your stand up that you're a certain way. I would, yeah, because of my draw, I would wear a bracelet that says "Freedom Isn't Free." <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I love the Marines. God bless them. Absolutely. But freedom. Freedom, you're right, isn't free, but we paid for ours already. Our forefathers paid for our freedom. Right. We don't need to be paying for Iraq's freedom anymore. <laughs> right, right. No, no, absolutely. And and people should, and I don't like when people take, see, that's the thing, though. Sometimes they can't separate. They can't separate. We're a comedian. That's what we do. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they come up to you, and because they connected with you, okay, you crushed that set, yeah. right? So now, all of a sudden, this guy's like, dude, I love this guy. He's got to be like me. Oh, or yeah. He's got to think like me. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's got this guy. I love this guy. This guy's got to have my political and religious views. Yeah. And it's like, no, dude, like, we're all, you know, I, and I love that. That's the one thing that I've really learned, though, about politics. And we were talking about last night. I love being, I love being an independent. I love just watching from the outside going, let's look at all these fucking liars. Absolutely. All, all these people that are sitting in front of their news going, we're right. We're right. Yeah, yeah. They're wrong. It's like, no, it's fucking, it's all, yeah, I just, you know, I just stay away. That's why I watch sports, dude. And that's the other thing, well, it's also just so much, so much of it now is about money. Like, it used oh, to be yeah. somewhat about money, but now it's all about money. And they're just so transparent. Yeah. Like, why are cigarettes still legal at all? Yeah, that's, that's a great point. At all. You yeah. know why? Because, well, yeah. It's so intertwined with our government and has been since the beginning of time. Yeah, because uh, if you really look at it, it makes no sense that they're legal. Yeah, yeah, It's the same as, you know, having just poison be legal to just give out. <laughs> it really is. It's ridiculous. Yeah. There's no other reason. Why, than is alcohol, made... why is alcohol legal but pot isn't? Yeah. Like why, I mean, let's look at the, what damage those two cause. Right. So you know what? Let's talk about. I'm. I'm. I'm talk about this with you now for a while because um, I don't smoke pot anymore. Um, you. You smoke pot. Yeah. Um, Pretty good at it. <laughs> yes. Uh, now here's the thing. I. I'm not. Ag- I can't. I can't say that I'm against pot. But yeah. here's the thing with me. When I smoke pot, I turn into a fucking idiot. Like, and you're one of these guys. And I had friends like this. We were talking about this earlier. That can functionally smoke pot. And be there, yeah. like coherent, can deal with the high normally. I'm one of those people. I'll have a great time. I'll sit there with that half blank smile on my face. <laughs> you know, I'll get starving. I'll end up falling asleep, and I can't do anything. Like if I was high, and somebody said you got to go and perform, I could perform on a couple of drinks. Yeah. But if so, if I was high, it would be fucked up. Like it yeah. would be like, dude, Verzi needs to just get off right now because this shit's not gonna go. Like this is not good. So. 
Do you now have you had effects like memory because of it? No, Has it fucked you up at my all? My memory's pretty. I mean, my memory's pretty good. Like, I, so, okay. Like, I mean, you saw it today. I can still name every plane. Yeah, and, dude, you were spot on with it. You know, so the so the weed has not affected any kind of hasn't affected you in any way. I'm sure for a while it did. Okay. You know, I'm sure it's a tolerance issue, but it's also me being an being an adult. Like I can. The thing about pot is it's not that overtaking. Really, it doesn't. It's not like heroin or cocaine. Granted, I've not. I've only done cocaine once, and I've never even seen heroin. But those are drugs that you're when you're on them, you're on them. Right. You're not doing anything else. Right. right. If you're on heroin, like you're a heroin addict. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pot. You know, pot. You know, for a long time, I I just smoked and I just sat there. But but my lifestyle allowed me to do that. Right. You know, and as a matter of fact, smoking pot and sitting in my apartment or my hotel room at that time was probably better for me because it meant I wasn't at the mall buying shoes. Right. You know, so it it, it just became more of a cost effectiveness thing. And it made you a much better video game player. Absolutely. (laughs) And and for, but eventually you, one of two things are going to happen. You're either going to grow up and start being an adult or you're just going to get really depressed and slowly decompose as a person and as a human being. Right. And I just couldn't, I'm not going to do that. Right, right. Like, so I just, and, and the pot kind of helps in that fact because the paranoia of it. Right. Jesus. The, uh, I, w- I wonder what that was. Like, do you think the Thunderbirds have started? Yeah, the Thunderbirds are starting. So, um, so yeah, the paranoia of that helps. Like, if I sit there too long and I've been watching TV, like, I'm just like, you are losing. <laughs> right. Oh, so you so, see. So then it sounds like. So what you're saying to me, it sounds like, because I've gone into arguments with people where I'm like, and maybe I'm wrong, but I thought that if you sit there and you just smoked all the time, you were just basically like killing your brain a little bit or like slowing yourself down. You're making the point that no, as, a, as each individual needs to know, I'm either gonna fucking lose or win. But if I want to smoke, I'm gonna make sure that I'm not sitting depressed doing it, just letting myself go away. I'm yeah. still gonna be a proactive. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. That's, and, you know, there are definitely, you know, you know, there's definitely been times where I just smoked weed and did nothing and got depressed and got sad and. and yeah. But you learn from that. Like you, you, re, you look around at some point and you're in Dayton, Ohio, and it's. You're almost out of weed, and you're hoping you get some more, and you don't really know if it's gonna pan out because it's some bartender, and yeah, yeah, you know. So eventually, you're just like, well, I can't do this every day. I don't, I don't sit there and just roll a joint and smoke it, and then roll the next joint and smoke it. I, I'll wake up, you know, if I'm at home, I wake up, I go to the gym, I go do some stuff, and then I come back, and then I smoke. But but do it, you smoke weed every day? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. You do. Do you smoke? Uh, ha- do you perform high? Absolutely. Yeah. You do Ex- exclusively. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now and and now, when you write jokes, mm-hmm. do you do you find that the smoking enhances your writing? Uh, no, not always. Sometimes, uh, not imme- You know, usually when I when stuff comes to me, it's not immediately after I've smoked. <laughs> he goes, oh yeah, yeah exclusively. Yeah. <laughs> you smoke every day? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like yeah. like like you would have thought. I just asked him, do you drink? You drink every day? Water? Like yeah, yeah. You, you to survive? You eat? Absolutely. <laughs> You eat three meals? I get cranky and weird when I don't have all of those things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, if what's the longest you've gone without smoking weed, like, uh, recently? A few days. Like, like when I do cruise. I mean, there's definitely times when you have to sober up. And do you get... You get... I get weird. Yeah. I, I, I get weird. 
I get, I get, weird. I get clammy. No, it's not the major. It's not right. like when I quit smoking cigarettes or anything like that. Like I don't get cranky. Right. But I can't sleep very well, and I do. Get, I get overly emotional. Like. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I tried, you know, I, I like to face fears to try to defeat them. Sure. And so my big fears are sobriety and open ocean. So I did one of these stupid carnival cruises to perform on, knowing full well that I'm flying into Mexico. I'm not, I'm not an idiot. I'm not going to fly into another country with pop. That's, right. that's stupid. Right, 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 right. That's a whole different ballgame. Oh, so you're afraid of the ocean? I'm not afraid oh. of the ocean. Like, I'll go to the beach. Right, you're afraid. I don't, of, I don't want to be out there in the middle of it where I can't see land and shit. Oh, okay. And the only thing I got is this metal thing. Right, 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 right. So, like, if the whole horizon, which I've seen before for four days, was just water, that, that you don't like, I that. would freak out. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, or you know, or I'd need some serious amount of pot or some some other sedative. Uh, so I was like, I'm gonna face these fears. Like, I watched Deadliest Catch because it's like I could never ever even come close to do that. Like that's right. that's why I walk like out on a boat and thirty foot waves, not a chance. Yeah, you're right, right. So I'm like, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna go out on this stupid cruise, you know, face my fears on a luxury liner. And uh, I did. <laughs> I sat there, got you know, sobered up. And but the moment that boat left the gate, I was I was on the phone with my dad, going, I "Fucking hate this." Oh, I really? hate this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I felt bad for my dad. I ended up calling him back home. I'm going to be fine. Everything's fine. But, yeah, there was a few moments there where I was like, what am I? Like, the thought, it wasn't a good, it wasn't like I could do it. But the thought of jumping off the boat about was, 20 feet out was definitely like, I could do it. <laughs> I could do it. Yeah, the thought was there, but yeah. you weren't going to do it, right. So, but I faced it, and then, I, you know, I ended up finding pot a few days later. But uh, <laughs> On the ship? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it all worked out. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, man, I give you guys credit. I uh, I can't, you know, I, I, I don't even drink. I don't like to drink anymore because I feel like it affects my, my, I feel like it affects jokes. Yeah. Or timing. You know, timing a little bit. But you know what it is? I, for so long now, I haven't drank on stage. Yeah. That I don't even want anything to change. Because I've noticed an improvement in my comedy when I was just like clear-headed. Just like with hecklers and stuff and just, just like being able to be quicker. But some people, dude, they just got the gift, man. I like a nice buzz. Either, I uh, mean, obviously pop, but I wouldn't mind having, like, a good three-beer buzz is good for, especially, like, a late show. Like, you're just kind of, relaxes you a little bit, puts you back in the groove. Just yeah. kind of. And then also, like, like it lightens you up a little bit. Like, if I was fairly sober and it was dealing with a Friday late show, I'd probably just snap on some people. Yeah, if, like, anybody talks. Yeah, just be like, fucking seriously. Oh, by the way, you know, I was talking on here about just how July, for some reason the month of July was a lot of hecklers and a lot of fucking drunk, stupid people. And uh, Chris did something I thought that was fucking great, and I, I want to just address it. We, uh, you know, comedians can see things right away, what another comedian does, and it's just like, wow, that was fucking awesome. But um, we were performing, uh, I think it was uh, two nights ago, Friday night, first show, and there's this girl in the front. She's got her bare feet. She got her. She's got. She had stiletto shoes off, and her bare feet were in her boyfriend's lap. And he's rubbing her feet. And she tries making comments, and she wasn't that like rude to me. She said a couple of things, and I just kind of made the comment like, "Yeah, make yourself comfortable. Like you put your fucking shoe on the on the thing." But listen, it's not my show. It's Chris's show. Okay, I'm doing 25 minutes. My job is to keep the party going. You know, kill in the middle and let Chris. You know, set the table for Chris. 
and he gets on stage. This was great, man, because some of these fucking people just don't get it. And this is relevant now because I've been talking about, for some reason, this summer. And it's always been women. And it's always been fucking either up front thinking they're more important than they are. And uh, Chris walks on stage, grabs the microphone. As soon as he grabs the microphone, this girl puts her arms up and goes, It's my birthday! Instantly, and I'm in the back, and Chris goes, yeah, well, this isn't Applebee's, and I don't give a fuck. So she, and the place goes, it was just so fucking, it just set the whole night up, and it's like, that's what needs to be fucking done. Oh, well, thank you. You know what's yeah. funny about that line? I wrote it years ago, and some guy just thought it was a stock line and stole it. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I totally wrote that joke. <laughs> and, I mean, it does sound like a stock line, but and it kind of is for me. Oh, but I, I, so I walk into a room and he's getting heckled and he fucking uses the line. I'm like, whatever. I just love the fact. I just love the fact that like this girl thought she was that important. Feet off. Yeah. I mean, feet. Uh, uh, you know, shoes off her feet. Sorry. You know, just sitting there and it was just so ridiculous. And it's like, no, you shut up. And then they ended up leaving, which was great. And at one point during your set, she got up and sat in his lap for a second. Yeah, it's like, and, and I lost my. I was in back. I lost my mind. I went to the bouncer. I was like, "Get that girl off that dude's lap." And about the time I said that, she got up. And, and it was funny because normally first show Friday isn't like that. No. Normally it's the second show Friday, which it has the fucking animals in it. And and this time it was you know they it, completely flipped it. They completely flipped the it. The first and I remember what I was talking about. I was like, if the first show is that bad, the second show is going to be monkey throw monkeys throwing shit at us. Yeah. And, <laughs> And yeah, like if it was like that show one, it's fucking over. And the second one, they were like nice and calm no. and very nice, and you're just like, all right. Yeah, and I gotta say, these shows, I'm, look, you know, the the Verzi effect listeners know, and I I say it. If shit doesn't go well, I say it. If shit goes well, I say it. When I have an epic set, I say it. You know, and, yeah. and when I don't, but I can honestly say, man, this week has been fucking unreal. And and you know, it's really cool because I'm working with a guy who. You know, there were a couple shows where I feel like, man, I gave I gave it a fucking shit, like a shot, like wow. Yeah. And then Chris gets up and is like, "All right, watch this." Yeah, well, and that's fucking awesome because it's like, and and you're not a dick to the middle doing well. Yeah, yeah. Which some guys are. Some yeah. guys are very like. Yeah. Well, that's an insecurity thing. Absolutely. They don't think you know. Absolutely. I, I was, you know, I was the feature that blew everyone's doors off. So I know what it's like. I know you're just trying to do your best, and I also know. That it can continue. Like, they're not going to go... Yeah, it's a wave. And you can either ride the wave yeah. or you can fight it and drown in it. Which is what a lot of comics do. You embrace it and say, okay, I'm going to take it. And I think that's important for comedians to to, to know and, and to, to be in the back of the room not freaking out. Yeah. Or Because I'll be honest with you. I was in, uh, I was in uh, South Carolina and this guy was doing all local stuff. Yeah. And it was fucking murdering. And then he was talking about out-of-towners coming in and driving and what and, and it was killing and all this shit. And I'm going, holy shit, man, I got to do 45 minutes. And, like, for one second I got insecure and then I go, wait a minute, no, no, no. All I can do is go be me. Yeah, yeah, That's all I could do anyway. I'm not going to automatically change my – I'm going to go up there and, and, and I think that that's a really cool and, – and we were talking about this, that big-time agents that I've talked to in this business and big-time comedians have said a really good headliner, okay – Wants the guy to do good in front of him. Oh, absolutely! Like because it makes for it makes for the show. Like you just said, you made a great point. It uh, it's a wave that you just ride. Yeah. And it's like okay, let's do it. Now it's going to be a fucking great show because everybody's kind of doing their job instead of oh fuck. And, and this is one thing that I think is really sad. And I don't know how people can look themselves in the mirror. What about the headliners that take acts with them that they know they're going to shit on? 
Oh, yeah. That happens. It's just like they're playing t-ball at that point. It's like, okay, I'm going to bring a layup for the middle. Yeah. That I know that I'm just gonna go. Yeah, they're playing t-ball, and it's like you know when. But you're not getting better then, really. No, no. But those guys don't want to get better. They just want to get paid. Right. That's a dude. Like I remember back in the day when I was featured on the road. Every once in a while, you get paired up with Pauly Shore's troop of gang. Well, you know, and I'm friends with a lot of them now. But yeah, you know, they're just these want to be or these comics that are trying hard at the comedy store, and Pauly grabs Come on on the road with me, bro. I won't pay you shit, but you'll get laid sometimes. Right, and right. you know, and to a beginning comic tour bus with Pauly Shore, like, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, and so, but I, you know, they always booked the middle act. The clubs did, and so I'd show up, and the first night I'd be the feature act. Yeah, yeah. And the second night I'd be doing a guest spot, but getting paid to be a feature. And by the Friday, Saturday night, I was usually fired. <laughs> yeah, because because like, yeah, no, and I'm... then I figured out what was going on. It was first night Pauly didn't want to follow me. Second night, Polly was tired of hearing the, the other guys bitch about following me. And the last night, they were just like, Dad, we don't need them anymore. And th- that happened wow, twice. Really? As a matter of fact, Polly and I, I worked at Comedy Store a lot, and Polly and I, like, he was afraid of me. Not physically, like I was going to hurt him, but he didn't want to talk to me. And, and really? even to this day, like, if, I, if we're in a group and I approach it, like, he's very standoffish. But I've, I've gotten, and I didn't like him for a long time for, for that reason. Yeah, and uh, and you know every time he fired me, he had someone else do it, and he'd hide in the bus. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I just never had a lot of respect for that. So, um, but I've grown up. I don't have any hatred in my heart anymore, and I'm trying to get rid of all that's left. And yeah, good. So I just, you know, I went up to him the other day, and I was like, you know, I don't, you know, we don't need to be friends, but we can be cordial. And, and he was cool with it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because at one point he came up to me and was just like, can we be friends? And I was like, no. Like, I don't, you know. Ah, <laughs> uh, no. Okay. No, we can't, no, to we be can't. honest. Like, are you serious? Like, yeah, remember, you fired me. Remember earlier? Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, you Comics know. Comics don't forget, do they? No, and it's just like, I'm one of those guys that I... Yeah, I kind of hold grudges. Not, and I don't hold grudges. I don't really yeah. have anything against you, but I don't have any more time for you. you well, know? yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm like that too. And a lot of people say it's actually like my, my Sicilian upbringing. Yeah. And they always joke, go, oh, you're Sicilian? Yeah, so if somebody fucks you once, it's over. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, like, pretty much. You know, yeah, if somebody, if somebody does you wrong, it's not saying that, like you said, you can't be civil. You could be civil and sometimes. You know, it's not yeah. like when you see the person publicly, it's automatically the gloves come off. And, no, yeah. you don't do it, but it's, you know. A, I'll never trust this fucking person again. Yeah. You know, and they did something to me that pretty much for life I'll remember. Yeah. And when that happens, you can't just be like, hey, let's go to get a movie. And it has to be so blatant and obvious that it's like you knew you were fucking me over. Right. You had, you had eight opportunities to not do it. Right, right. And it's like, what? And and it also comes from a pattern. It, you There probably was a time where you did give someone the benefit of the doubt, and then you learned that people don't change for the most part. A guy that does that once probably going to do it again given the opportunity right it, it, and and not only that he it means he's done it many times before yeah and he's going to continue to fucking be that fucking snake I, and that's what happened with me is just from you know from dates to to girlfriends to guys i knew that just every, everyone every once in a while they were, they would just fuck you yeah yeah and it's just eventually you're like well what do we do no i don't have time for this right yeah, oh yeah, no, no, that's actually, and you know what, it takes a real person to, you know, somebody who owns a comedy club, 
yeah. like Paulie Shore, and he owns a very prestigious, famous one. And to fucking say, it goes to show that you're a real person, that you don't give a fuck. Because, you know, in L.A., too, people want stage time, people want to perform, and they don't care. But you're like, no, like, you, you did something wrong, yeah. and I don't give a fuck who you are or what you run. It yeah. was not cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And, but, but you know what, Chris? People aren't like that. No, especially in our, in our industry. In, in our industry and in, in L.A., people have traveled that far to live there, to make yeah. it, and they're not going to really tell Paulie Shore if they're trying to be a comedian, if, you know, basically no. And that that's just goes to show that, like, you know, that you're a real person who he bothered. And it's like you were able to say, no, I'm still going to do what I'm going to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, I'm, and in Paulie's defense, he's never tried to inhibit my career at the comedy store at all. Like, he's never stepped in the middle of that's, it, never that's said good. anything. Uh, and they've always been very supportive of me, and you know he's he you know and when he sees me he's he's very much you know hey buddy blah 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 you know he's he he knows he fucked up but again it's like well I don't have time for the friends I have now right right I don't, I don't need ones that I don't really like right no there's no there's no reason no it's a waste yeah. Uh, of course, my cell phone doesn't go off all day, and now it's going off off the hook during the podcast. Kind of hoping everything's all right. No, no, I would, yeah, I, I look real quick, and if it wasn't, I get a, I get a text. Uh, oh, okay, good. But uh, <laughs> no, um, we had some funny things, man, going on this 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 week, and I, that I got to talk about. Some of the things that have happened with females out here have been fucking yeah. hilarious. It's. Uh, it, girls' perceptions of things are incredibly hilarious. I mean, like. I, I'm not saying this is a Cleveland, a, a, a female thing in Cleveland. I'm just saying the things that I've seen females do, say, especially to comedians, not so much me because I kind of make it clear that I'm married on stage, but, you know, some of the things that, you know, females say to the comedian, like some things with, with, with Chris, uh, one thing that I, we, I, I have to talk about Please. is, is, is uh, Miss um, Chucky Cheese. Miss Chuck e. Cheese. We, we do a show. It's a great fucking show from top to bottom, and uh, everybody's filing out. We're both selling a ton of merchandise. My T-shirts are going like hotcakes. Chris is selling out of his DVD. Uh, there's a line to, to, you know, to, to say what's up, everything. And there's these two girls come up, and they're just like, can I buy, can we buy a drink? Can we do this? And like, I felt bad because they like, they bought merchandise, but then they wanted to like, they didn't have the filter to say, okay, like these guys, this is their job. Yeah. Like they thought it was like our job to hang out with them yes. afterwards. So then this girl is basically sitting upstairs next to me, Chris and I, and she's literally like, would just start a conversation and then be like, yeah, but it's not like I'll give you guys a blowjob unless you want to go outside. And we were just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was just, it was just, here's the thing. First of all, I don't even, even entertain anything like that because I'm married, but she was so dumb. Yeah, she was pretty dumb. She was so dumb that it was actually the so unattractive how dumb she was. And then she goes up to, what did she say? The bucket list thing, which is hilarious. Oh yeah. She goes, uh, she goes, and we weren't even talking to her. She, she, she just approached us at that point. <laughs> and, uh, she was like, Hey, you want to hear something weird? My bucket list. I want to hook up with a celebrity. And I said, "Well, I don't count." Yeah, and you go. Well, that would I wouldn't count for that. I, I don't count for that. She's like, "Yeah, you would. Yeah, you would." It was like she basically told him, yeah. "I want to have sex with you." And then here's the worst part: she made it so obvious that she would do that, and and she was acting so stupid. And then I was like, "Well, what do you do?" Or we said, and she goes, "I work at Chuck E. Cheese." And we kind of <laughs> chuckled, and then, and then she, we realized she was serious. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> and then I think she goes, "If you guys want to come in for lunch." Well, the best part was she was like, if you want a really good deli, 
And then she named one that was literally 30 miles away. Yeah, that's how dumb she was. She didn't realize that we're two comedians from L.A. and New York yeah. in the middle of the city. And she goes, if you want a good deal. And then we were joking. Like, hey, you want Florida's got this. Yeah, oh, yeah. If, you're, if you like salmon, <laughs> go to Massachusetts. Yeah, like she was, oh, my God, ridiculously dumb. Then we're walking home yesterday. I'm walking home yesterday. And these two girls are sitting at the train station. And I'm walking, uh, Chris had just left. We saw like all these bachelorette parties that were at the show who recognized us and said, hey, great show. So I'm walking back and in front of my hotel, two girls are sitting at the train station and they go, hey, come here and talk to us. And I go, what? And they go, come here and talk to us. So I'm thinking, you just saw me perform. Yeah. Oh, are you at the show? No, just come here and talk to us. You want some PCP? And then she goes, come here, honey. Come here. And like she's saying all that stuff. And it's these two two women sitting there. And, uh, you know, and she goes, come here. I'll put some makeup on to look better. You want to? And I'm just like, what yeah. the f? And so like, how I don't, the and PCP? I, they, they were the, I mean, the PCP, I woke up late. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up late. No, but it's like, who, who solicits? Not only soliciting PCP anymore. Uh, somebody said, how could somebody still do that? Like, that's old. Yeah. But not only that, they yelled it. Oh, yeah. Like, like they yelled it. <laughs> they yelled, "You want some PCP?" Yeah. Like, no, like, like you wouldn't even. You want some angel dust? Did you say OPP? <laughs> and then she's like, "I'll put some makeup on to look better. Just talk. Like, come here oh, and yeah, talk yeah. to you." And it's just like, oh. That had to be a hooker. I. You know what? The weird thing. I, I, I mean, if it was, they were like dressed kind of, like no. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, maybe it was though, because out here, like somebody was. They were telling me downstairs in my hotel that the homeless out here, they're trying to blend in now. Oh really? Yeah, it's almost like the undercover homeless, where like somebody khaki like, wearing homeless. Yeah, yeah, yeah like so like uh, they'll get a golf shirt, you know, they'll get a golf shirt, some khakis, and then kind of pull the hey, can, can I get a? Uh, they are, they are really assertive out here. Uh, Hello, yeah. bud. Hey, buddy, what's up? They try yeah. to shake your hand. And yeah. That calloused mitt comes uh. off. <laughs> So gross. <laughs> you know, I like I like the ones that are like honestly mad at you when you say no. Like yeah. this guy was like, "Hey man, can I get like five bucks for the train or something?" He just asked for you know he was specific about what he needed the money for, and I'm like, "No," and he just looked at me like, God. "Oh, I fucking kill you." And yeah, it's like, yeah. dude, I, like what do you like? But you can't fight that guy because he's got nothing. He's got nothing. No, to he's lose. got nothing to lose. He's probably you know has some kind of disease. Oh, absolutely. Or, or something. And you it's know? on something. On something, which means you know, if you start fighting, he he just goes to another place. Oh, yeah. He's probably in and in, in out of jail, in and out of jail for you know. So yeah, I, and jail's I, good for him. He's like, oh, all right, bed, <laughs> shower, might get raped. He's like, yeah, I gotta get a, I got a good two week run in me. Yeah, Let me yeah. go fucking jump on somebody so I can get a decent. Yeah, no, it's it's. Listen, I don't want to shit on Cleveland or the people here because I've said this before that the comedy club is great. The comedy environment. One of the best in the country. It, it really is one of the best comedy environments in the country. It's just you do come across a very poor, um, economy-beaten city. Yeah. And and it's just, it's just you know, and, and it's kind of sad because this is a type of place where I really feel for the people because you have to admit, the people in Cleveland go out, man. Yeah. Like House of Blues gets packed. They go to comedy shows. They go to concerts. They go to ball games. They go to air shows. They go out. These people want something. And it's just like you wish that, you wish that uh, you know, there was a little more for them. They have to stop blaming it on LeBron, though. Oh, yeah, you made a good point about that yeah, yesterday. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I know. Maybe he went about it the wrong way. but Absolutely. He shouldn't have put on the show that he did to leave. And even he has said that that was a mistake. Right. Uh, but come on, man. You had seven years with him to put a, put a team around. Or at least put a coach in there that wasn't a giant yes man. Right. 
And they and but you still they're just like fucking LeBron killed us. And he's like, no, no, he <laughs> no, didn't. You know what? If yeah. your economy was that fragile, then no, you guys, you guys had a deck of cards. You know, trade some players away and get a bigger name to play with them. Yeah. You know, give give you know like get or spend some money. Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. Yeah. That's a great lead into sports because we're gonna talk sports now. We got a couple more segments here. Uh, I don't know what we got on movies because I I, I walked out of uh, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. We'll talk about that in a second. But we're gonna get into uh, to sports here. Um, and we were talking about this at the Hard Rock Cafe. You are you said one of your favorite places to go. One of my favorite places on earth. Oh, that's right. You went even bigger. Yeah. One of your yeah. favorite places on earth is where? Kauffman Stadium. Royal Stadium. See the Royals. Yeah, yeah. One of the, it's just one of the most beautiful parks right. on the planet. Uh, and it's just, uh, I mean, obviously I have a lot of memories. How frustrated as a Royals fan are you? Anymore, it's it's numbing. It's like I feel like a... I feel like an AIDS patient, kind of. Like I, it's just like I know it's. I know I'm gonna die. <laughs> and I'm just okay with it. Like just whatever. Uh, yeah, you like. Yeah, you've just embraced it. Every April you have hope. Every April you have hope. And and you know what? The Royals are really good at going about 15 and seven, to where you start buying all the new shit. <laughs> yeah, right. 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 And then, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then June, they're still in it. Even ESPN this year was like, here's a different Royals team. And then fucking July hits. And they just, they're like, you know what? We're the Royals. We're just going to eat shit. <laughs> that one year was not too, uh, a few years back, wasn't too long ago. The only thing they had going was one of their guys made the All-Star team. Yeah. And like, that was it. And I'm like, these poor people. Only one made it this year. I was like, if that's the highlight yeah. of the fuck, you know. And like, you're a diehard saying that one of the great, uh, one of the great places to go is there, and you have to deal deal with that pain. Yeah, and it's like that's got to suck, man. It's getting better. Like uh, we discussed earlier, it's like there was you know oh five oh six were terrible years for us. Like you would go up to the stadium, and it was like just a litany of Hispanic names you'd never heard of. Right. And and the next week you'd go, and it'd be a completely different set of names. It was just this, and no one cared, and it was obvious. And but now they're. They're putting some money into it, and these new prospects are coming up. Hosmer and the other guys, Gia Vitelli or whatever. We got these long-ass names, Mustakis. Right. Uh, these guys are coming up. Can we hold on to them? That's the big thing. Well, well yeah, that's a big thing. Are they going to hold on to them and, and, and keep spending money to win? Uh, well, let's hope. They, you know, my biggest, you know, you read the articles and they're like, they're spending all this money on the minor league level. We're outbidding the Yankees and the Red Sox for a lot of these new prospects, which is great. But uh, the, the only thing that scared me was at the end of the article, they were like, well, how are you going to hold these guys together? Are you going to pay them the money they deserve? And they're like, oh, no. See, they'll have played for so long together that they won't want to leave. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. Yeah, just like, yeah, yeah. what? <laughs> are you insane? Yeah, it's not, it's not the Boy Scouts. It's not, no, you know, no, no. little kids it's playing. It's not saving Private Ryan. No, 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 like, no. I got, I'm never leaving my unit. I'm never leaving my friends in yeah. here. Yeah, the Yankees put them, you know, a buck fifty on the table. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> what unit? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and you're a Chiefs fan. And a Chiefs fan, although that's going to be a long year. I I don't think, think Todd Haley's the answer. I okay. Think, I think he's a. I think he's a. I think Coach Weisley, Charlie Weiss leaving is an indicator of maybe the fact that he's not the most. Uh, he shouldn't be at the head of the pack. Oh, okay. He might be a good number. He's a good lieutenant. You think Charlie saw some shit and was like, "No, nah, it ain't happening." Yeah, yet. well, I think I think uh, 
Todd Haley was an offensive coordinator, and he just wanted to put his two cents in. And as a matter of fact, I know a lot of this is true because my parents sat next to Matt Castle's best friend before Weiss left and was talking about how it's just this huge dysfunctional family because Weiss will be calling the plays, and then all of a sudden Todd Haley wants to throw a play in. And Weiss is basically like, listen, we don't have to call the play I was calling, but God, don't call that play. <laughs> you know, like, not that one. Listen, I don't, you're the head coach, too, but I'm telling you, that, that's yeah. funny. And, of course, Todd Haley would be like, fuck you, and they'd go, and it, oh, it, it wouldn't like do that. anything. And that's why I think at the end. That's then, hilarious. I mean, why else does a man leave a professional gig to move lateral into a lateral position at a college sport? And I know they said he wanted to be closer to his son. But you know what? When you're making head coaching money, right, you can go see your son whenever you want. Right, right. No, that's uh, that's some good inside information there. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Because when a guy like that who's on the Patriot, who's on the Patriots coaching staff, yeah, okay, and knows what it's like to have Super Bowl wins and what it takes, when he kind of hits the, when he's like, nah, this is not, you yeah, know, yeah. When, and when he turns an offensive around in one season, and he made Matt Castle, he turned Matt Castle in from a, uh, is this guy gonna make it to? He went like 128 passes without an interception last right. year. Like, yeah. He not only changed the offense, he changed our quarterback. And I think this year you're going to find out. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope they come out and win. But not only that, we have a very tough schedule. We have a first place in the division schedule. So it's like, it's just yeah. Patriots, Steelers, Jets, Patriots yeah, you're, again. You're right? staring at 1-5 and five right now? I, it could be very easily be a 4-12 and 12 season. Oh, man, yeah. You guys got to catch a break, dude. Royals, Chiefs. You need that one year that where you could just. We had the Jayhawks in 08. Okay. It's so funny. You guys always go back to that, right? Yeah. You guys. <laughs> University <laughs> like, of Kansas. You always have them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and, and I was so mad because the first year we. I'm a huge Jayhawks fan. The first year in 20 years we win it. I'm on a flight to London. Ugh. Landed in London, turned on the phone, voicemail. And the funny thing is, nobody in London could give a fuck or even oh, no. know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and when I got on the plane, it was like halftime. Oh. It was brutal. Oh, so you, yeah, so you knew it was just over. Yeah, yeah. I, well, and we were getting our asses kicked. I thought we were done. If, if the game, they end up coming back like 10 points in the last 30 seconds or some shit like that. It's crazy. Oh, wait a minute. That was like the shot. That was the fucking game that, uh, wait, did you beat, were you guys beat, it wasn't Memphis, was it? It was Memphis or Sarah, yeah, I think it was Memphis. No, it was Memphis. Yeah. And they were beat, it was over. It was over, we came back, the guy, uh, Chalmers sunk a three. Chalmers was on the Jayhawks. Yeah, Chalmers sunk a sunk three. Sunk a three to win, that's right. No, the, to, that, to go into overtime. To go into overtime, and I, re yes, I remember that, holy shit, that Derek Rose was on Memphis. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah it was uh, John, uh, the... Calipari. I don't, I, yeah, John yeah. Calipari coached him. Derek Rose, who's a point guard now with the Bulls. And that's right. Chalmers hit that big three, what? which tied it. And then you guys, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I watched was, that game. Was, oh, that must have been. I uh, had to watch it on, like, YouTube. Or oh. Like, the whole thing. Like, yeah. All your buddies must have been going fucking nuts on your phone, right? And Lawrence, the, you know, 45 miles from where, or I went to KU for a little bit. It was just, like, just madness. That's so funny how, like, it just changes a city's attitude. Oh, yeah. Like, it changes life for a little while, some places. Yeah. Like, Texas football in high school, like how nuts it is. Like, that Friday Night Lights. Yeah. Like, you go to a football game for high school, and there's ten grand in the stands. Could you, imagine, like, could you imagine Green Bay when they won the Super Bowl? I mean, you're talking about a town that would never get a Super would never get an NFL team in, today, in this day and age. I no, mean, no, yeah. You're talking a city of 150,000 people. Yeah. And they won the Super Bowl. Oh, uh, yeah, and they're oh my god, yeah. Like somebody told me they dated, 
a buddy of mine used to date a girl from Ohio, and like high school football, high school football was families packed out. Yeah. Like my high school football in New York, it was like, Oh, yeah. All right, Johnny, three yards, baby. Like, you know, like there, it's like fucking life oh, or death. Yeah. Like like your father's talking to the, like that's all real. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Was that scene in Varsity Blues? Varsity. Who was the guy in the back seat? Tim McGraw? Oh. Or, there's one of the country singers played the, the, a drunk father. Oh, yeah, that's of, right. Of the son. And he's like, you got like, and it was like life. Like he's like, no, this is your legacy, is your high school. Yeah. That's fucking nuts, though. That's where I think some towns and cities take it like. Well, the thing is, when you think that your life is high school, it, it becomes that. Yeah, know? like, shame on me. If I, if my son, if I ever was telling my son he needed to do something in high school for our, our family name, yeah. <laughs> to, to, like, you know, that's that's. Well, ridiculous. and I'll, I don't know about where you went to high school, but where I went to high school, all the really cool kids in high school, they're still living really close to the high school, and they're not very cool anymore. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're all just... It's, it's funny. My father always told me, uh, you know, growing up, and uh, my mom, too, would say, all the people that you think are the coolest, you know, nah, it's, they're going to get fat and continue living that lifestyle. Well, yeah. And the nerds are going to be, like, driving, you know, Mercedes and doctors. Yeah, because so they like, want to get the fuck out of there. Yeah, they realize... Yeah, they kind of realize what the big picture of life is. Yeah. And And this guy, you know... What's his name? Why would I leave? I'm Mi the coolest person Mr. Here. Too Cool, oh, this is my town. And yeah. then all of a sudden people have families and you're still that guy. And like you're the 35-year-old at a fucking club. <laughs> what have these guys coming to my... I mean, I was always friends with the cool kids and I, I didn't have any animosity towards them. My buddy came up to me. He was the coolest kid in school and he just came up to me at a show. He's like, man, I'm so proud of you. I was like, what are you doing, man? He was like, I'm working construction. I was like, well, that's cool. No, it ain't. I'm like, well, <laughs> I, guess I didn't it ain't. want to say it, but... That's cool. Yeah, no, you come across people and you're just like, you're still doing... That's a really sad thing. Like yeah, yeah. When you go home for the holidays and you just see that things haven't changed and people are still living in that bubble, man. Yeah. You know, you go back to Kansas City and like, you know, you're out in LA, you're doing your thing, you're living your dream. And all of a sudden, you know, like you said, and it's just kind of like, man, don't you... They can't, though. They can't How long see. can you bartend at this bar? Yeah, it's just... That's, I, I used to... And I love the people that work there, but I would go down to these bars and they'd still be bartending. And I'd just be like, really? Still in school, huh? Tenth <laughs> yeah. year senior? Uh, Working out. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> You'll get it, though. You'll yeah, get no, it. No, no, no. <laughs> um, Almost got your associates. That's great. What, I got, oh, my God. One time. Worst, worst vacation I ever did. Me and my wife went to get away yeah. for a weekend at the Poconos. It was fucking horrible. Yeah, the okay. Poconos haven't been cool since, like, 54. Yeah, like, like she was just like, oh, no, we got this, like, free brochure. And I was like, and it's so stupid. I'm like, oh, can I hit golf balls? She's like, yeah, there's a drive range. I'm like, oh, great. This will be great. Fucking, like, uh, like a brown hill. <laughs> it was a brown hill. The balls were, like, those orange, like, scuffed oh, up. Yeah. They, the, the clubs they gave it, it was just an absolute nightmare. The room was okay, but you had to eat kind of, like, with other people at a table. Yeah. And there's this one guy sitting there, and he's got all tattoos. And I'm just looking at, at Stace, and I'm going, I can't even believe. Like, not that I'm better than anybody, but it's just one of those things where you're just, I can't fucking believe we're here. And uh, this guy's sitting there with a girl who, you could tell, wasn't too smart. And at one point, he's like, hey, watch your mouth. You wanted me to smack you across the mouth? Like, and we were just like, is that like a joke? Yeah, yeah. I was like, And he had tattoos on his arms and everything. And I swear to God, at one point, he goes, well, I don't know. Ask her. She's the one with the associate's degree and was dead serious. Oh, brutal. And like, and, and, and me and my wife were just like, hold, like he, he meant, like, he talked about like she was a rocket scientist. Yeah. <laughs> Two years. 
And then, and then here's the best part. They were like, "What are you?" She's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna be a kindergarten teacher." Like it was fucking like, yeah, and she, yeah. you know, it was just really fucking. Well, bad. I feel like I could connect with them really well. <laughs> uh, all right, so that'll do it for sports, uh, movies. I don't have anything. You didn't see anything. I didn't see anything. I went into "Don't Be Afraid of the Dark" with my manager, uh, a comedian, and one of the workers at Stand Up New York, and three quarters through the movie, which wasn't good. Uh, this is a first. For, this is a first for me. The light in Manhattan. Lights go out. I mean, uh, lights come on. Projection goes off. Two kids pulled the fire alarm, ran down the escalators in the city. Every projector went, went, and then they were handing out. There was an outrage. People were, like, revolting at 1 in the morning. Yeah. Fucking freaking out. And what it was was everybody ended up getting free tickets. Uh, the movie got shut down, but it was not good anyway, so it was kind of like a blessing in disguise. So I got a bunch of free movie passes. I'm going to be seeing stuff, and I will report and review. I definitely want to check out Apollo 18. And uh, so I will definitely, on the next episode, I will definitely uh, be reviewing a, uh, a movie. Uh, so now we'll do Unacceptable for the Week. And uh, as you guys know, my guest uh, always gets the floor for Unacceptable for a Week. Uh, if, you're, if you're listening for the first time, thank you for tuning in. This is the Verzi Effect podcast show. Um, I have special guests with me, comedian Chris Porter, uh, who's been fucking awesome. Thank you. And um, Unacceptable for the Week is just something you see... You feel, you saw today, a week ago, that you just, it enrages you and you need to kind of release because it's unacceptable. So the floor is yours. Don't ask a question without thinking about it first for at least two fucking seconds. Nice. That's a great one. Like, because uh, I told you the story. I was in San Bernardino with a girl who was driving me nuts. And it was 118 degrees that day. The air conditioning hadn't been working in the hotel, so it was 84 degrees in the room. And as we're getting ready, she goes, do you think I'm going to need a jacket? <laughs> and I looked at her, I go, are you fucking serious? Jeez. I thought she was fucking with me, right? I was like, are you fucking serious? And Yeah, like she wasn't joking. She wasn't joking. She was like, well, it might be cold outside. I was like, do you see 70 mile an hour winds? Because <laughs> that's what it's going to take. Or I was, in, uh, I was in Oklahoma waiting for the elevator. A lady walked by the elevator and goes, hey, is that the elevator? What? Like, what the fuck else would it be? Oh, my God. Are we in Star Trek? What other doors look like this? <laughs> Unacceptable. 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 Before it, just think about Ask yourself the question. Uh. Make sure you don't know the answer. Oh, my God. How about the people last night asked us our age? Swear to God, we're not, I'm not joking around. We went out to get some hot wings at this place, Harry Buffalo. Pretty good. Swear to God. They go, how old are you? Both of us are 32. You go, 32. I shit you not, within five minutes, tops, squinted their eyes, looked at us with that same look of interest. How old are you? And that was when me and you just looked, we basically mentally tapped out of, yeah. we just looked at each other and we're like, all right. Well, there was one right. point where someone asked a question and we answered it and then the other person was like, what'd you, what? And then they asked the same question. Oh, yeah. And then we were like, seriously? And then the third person was yeah. like, what? Oh, were you guys talking about how old you are or some shit like that? Yeah, it, w it was the same thing. We just looked at each other and go, all right, basically finish your drink and your, and your food. We're leaving. Yeah, we're done. Um, well, that's it. Uh, time for plugs. So do you have anything coming oh, up, man? I have a, I'll be in Vegas at the Palms, and I have my own podcast, Chris Porter's General Store. It's also available on iTunes. Please check it out. Yes, definitely check out uh, Chris's podcast. And uh, 
if you're out in Vegas, man, check them out at the Palms because uh, I, I've worked with uh, some of the best comedians out there. Honestly, I've worked. I, I, as you guys know, I open for Bill Burr. I open for David Tell, Patrice O'Neill, so many great comics. I've had to, you know, when I'm not headlining, I've had the opportunity to open for. And uh, Porter is no joke, dude. One of the one of the funniest guys. And uh, you know, as a comedian, I'm sitting in the back going, I saw his whole act last night. I think I'm gonna watch it again because it's that fucking funny. And uh, we're immune to laughter sometimes with comedians. So when a comic watches another comic and they're truly laughing, it, it means something. So ch if you're in Vegas, go to the Palms. You'll have a great fucking time. Um, I will be on vacation with my family starting tomorrow through Saturday. So don't call him. Yeah, so don't call me. Uh, and then after that, I will be from September 15th to the 17th. I will be, uh, actually, you guys aren't going to go because it's in Montreal, but me and Joe Matteris will be doing the Comedy Club up in Montreal. So uh, you could check for more information on that. I don't think you're going to travel across the border to see that show, but that's where I'm going to be. <laughs> so check out paulverzi.com. Uh, also, subscribe to the Verzi Effect podcast on iTunes for free as well. And uh, that's it. Until next uh, till, uh, next episode, I'm out of here. Thank you again, Chris. Thank you, brother. I had a blast. It was awesome. Take care, guys. See you soon.